Welcome to Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley, and with me is Derek Spech. Hello. This week we're actually off-site, and we are visiting with Jim Baird, the adventurer. How you doing, Jim? I'm doing well, thank you very much. Uh, welcome to the show. I'm glad you were uh, able to help us out here. Um, we've been following you for a couple of years now, and you're adventures and especially your canoe trips and we've seen you speak at a couple events uh jim baird the adventurer how did that come about well one day i just decided that i was gonna just go for it after working for a map company and then working in prospecting and doing this kind of stuff on the side things kind of dried up and i said now or never and i just kind of started being an adventurer full time and i i do it through writing and photography and videography and uh, basically just do trips and find ways to share them with other people and uh, you know so far I'm not eating at the food bank too often so I guess it's been working out all right <laughs> well, that's awesome yeah <laughs> it's yeah. working out for you mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah you you're an adventurer videographer writer photographer speaker mm-hmm. canoeist mm-hmm. and that's what really interests us is the the canoeing aspect, mm-hmm, the paddling mm-hmm. aspect. Because it is Paddling Adventures Radio. Well, that's what we're saying, right? <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so some of your canoe trips, the Kasagami you did solo. Mm-hmm, yeah, uh, piece of cake. The, Just the, kidding. Was that the Kujua? Kujua. I can never pronounce that. Yeah. Kujua well, River. Yeah. Uh, you did your big trip through Labrador with uh, your brother and a couple of buddies. Yes, yeah. Um, what got you into those kind of adventures? I think I've done about 15 multi-week canoe expeditions in the far north and uh i think uh basically what got me into it is first of all you know the upbringing um you know spending a lot of time in a large crown land area where there wasn't a road you know my grandfather and my dad they built this cottage um in the 60s and uh you still have to take a boat there right so everywhere we went was either you paddled and portaged into it and or you you drove there in a boat walked in and found some like half sunken boat and and went fishing it in and went camping so we started doing that from a young age we got familiar with paddling with boats and also with just i guess my family was kind of adventurous type they wanted to just go bushwhacking and find some other lake just to say they've been there sort of thing and you know my uncle kind of uh taught me how to fire a 22 and use a compass when i was pretty young and then I kind of grew up a little and I, well, you know, I'm still not all that grown up, but you know, they, <laughs> no, uh, they <laughs> but, uh, yeah. And then it turned into, um, well, let's go to Algonquin park. And then I started looking at stuff on, you know, in books and online. And next thing you know, we were doing trips in the Northwest territories just in my early twenties. I think I was 21 or 22 when me and my brother paddled the Nahani and that just blew our minds. And after that it was, we were hooked and we just kept finding ways to make it work and my trips kind of got bigger and bigger and I just really wanted to make this a part of my life because I just loved it so much and quite frankly I I didn't really like doing anything else at all so uh, that's kind of how it came to be I guess you know. Did you initially do any guiding or anything like that or was it just personal trips at first and that's how what you got into it because from what we see from Jim Baird the adventure from your YouTube videos and so on Mm. it uh, it you seem to just start right off that whole hog deep into it. And uh-huh. and so we never saw a buildup of you testing the waters, going longer, longer, bigger trips. It's just yeah. like, holy crap. One you know, it's just, it's just was massive pretty trips. much like right out of the gate. I was just awesome at everything. So I didn't, <laughs> I didn't have to really go through. I'm just kidding. What a coincidence. I, I think, you know, you know, I, I just think, I think that uh, that's definitely not true. I think that, uh, I always had that confidence yes. as, as a kid. So as I'd start learning things, and I mean, a lot of it has to do with learning, just reading everything. I never took a, I never was a guide. I never took guiding courses. I learned everything I knew from uh, books, uh, by getting books, not just reading them, but studying them. You know what I mean? And talking to other people and going online, reading things, that kind of thing. And I think... Uh, uh, that's sort of just passion and, and wanting to fuel myself with a, as much information as possible. And then going out there and actually doing it um, is kind of where I built my skill base from. But okay. uh, yeah, definitely having the confidence as a kid sort of uh, helped quite a bit, you know? Yeah, because from what, uh, what, from what the public sees, from what YouTubers see and stuff, we, uh, we see... Jim Baird the Adventurer. So I guess it's more of a Jim Baird the Adventurer is a product of you doing your trips, suddenly going, 
you want to get into some other and make it a product as yeah. opposed to your trips are a result of you trying to start something. So Jim Baird, the adventure was, was the YouTube personality was created from you. It's like the next step from your trip. Yeah. Like I was a paddler before I was a photographer or yeah. videographer or writer. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And then I found uh, a passion through creating content through writing. Yeah. I mean, there was one thing I did well in ever since I was young was writing. And so I managed to kind of put those few things together and really found enjoyment in sharing that with other people. And I managed to kind of make a stake uh, in, you know, whatever the industry, if you want to call it that, through through content creation, through marketing and, and uh, get myself to a point where, wow, I can actually paddle rivers and make money off it. But... Remember, unless you really like filming your whole trips, a lot of people don't. Unless you really like writing, unless you really like photography, unless yes. you really like yeah. talking to people and doing things for people and, and pushing their brands and, and getting rejected a whole lot, you know, maybe you're better off just to get a job that gives some good vacation time and do this stuff for fun. Yes. Because when, you, when you're when you doing it as, as um, a job, it, it's not the same. However, I really enjoy that whole side of it. It just definitely adds an added stress. It's like, not only do I have to prepare for the worst on this expedition, which potentially could kill me but i also have to find a way to pay the mortgage through doing it exactly you know yeah, yeah and uh, but there probably are other ways of pulling it off um other than what i'm doing it's just that's what i was good at you know is that side of things well i mean you, you don't want to be just like 15 other people out there doing the same thing this mm-hmm. is your way of doing it and mm-hmm. it seems to be working for you so far mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know obviously you're you're having the fun out there you're you're learning stuff out there and you have a product that you are actually to bring to show everybody that mm-hmm. you know people are quite interested in yeah right? well i hope so i hope they're interested in it well, <laughs> <laughs> well yeah. considering we're here today talking to you somebody's interested that's yeah. true you know that's it's Derek. True. It was Derek. It was all about Derek. And you guys yeah. brought the beer. I didn't even have to say, hey, there's exactly. beer. Come interview see. me. That's, we came to see your dog, Buck. So, yeah, well, yeah, I, yeah, well, that's possibly true. Yeah, yeah you know what? Uh, and that's exactly, you know, we we see all these trips that you've done. And, and part of us are, I mean, we all started, you know, local trips and then going mm-hmm. to Algonquin Park and then branching out from there to, to you know, farther north and, and stuff like that. But seeing, you know, you say, oh, man, I'd love to go do there and then find out you've been there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then watching your videos of it and you're going, you know what? Yeah, that's not really what I thought it would be. That'd be too much for me at this point. Mm-hmm. Or, oh, yeah, I got to really try mm-hmm. that one day. You mm-hmm. know, it brings that sort of aspect into it as well, right? You know, I'm kind of scared that sometimes my videos might scare people too much because I try to make them entertaining, but I also don't want them to think, wow, like, you know, like cut out the scary music in my videos and then it's just a guy paddling a rapid, you know, like yes. when you're yeah. out there, there's no scary music playing. When you're paddling <laughs> a rapid and on the Kazogmi, there's no, dun, 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 right? Like, so I, I feel like I, I definitely do take some of those parts. And don't get me wrong, there's serious dangers, right? I mean, oh, we is. all know that. But I think um, uh, sometimes you, you shouldn't let my videos necessarily scare you away too much. But also know that, yeah, you do have to have these kind of skills to do it. But I don't think I'm an expert at this kind of stuff, you know. I, I just, I think that I just uh, go out there and I, I, I try to be as careful as I can for the most part. And... Somehow I, I wind up, uh, you know, alive at the end of the trip and I keep doing it, right? I mean, it's not, we're not climbing K2, right? What That's... I enjoy about watching your videos and what I get out of it is, is you don't, you don't make it all pretty. It's just not all mm-hmm. the easy stuff, not all yeah. the happy stuff. Mm-hmm. You show the hard side of it, the mm-hmm. dirty side of it, the difficult mm-hmm. side of it, you know, the swarms of insects, the hip deep mud. And mm-hmm. so it's more of a reality yeah. instead of like the, a lot you often see with, um, with any shows or videos or what, whatever trying to produce or convey. It's like mm-hmm. they, they try and keep all the it pretty on the, bits. Yeah. All the pretty yeah. bits. And, yeah. Yeah. and there, yeah. there's nothing to be gained from just yeah. yeah, like, yeah. I'll put the camera on myself before I do my makeup, for example. Exactly. Just yeah. kidding. Yeah. Yeah. I don't do yeah. makeup. But, but you know, <laughs> th- honestly though, that that's yeah. the big yeah. part of it. Like when, uh, when you and Tori were going through, it was a burn, like the previous season, there was a burn. Mm-hmm. You guys were bushwhacking for like two kilometers through this mm-hmm. mud and, uh, was, and then up. It was eight kilometers. Was it eight kilometers? Maybe six to eight. But from the, from the videos, you, could see you had like soot on your face Uh and it wasn't just this 
happy, pretty trip. It was like reality. This mm-hmm. is this is yeah. the reality of it. This yeah. is where the bugs are. This is the mm. difficulty of it. You know, and I think a lot of the time what happens when some people want to bring a video camera on their trip, the shots are them sitting around the fire. And yeah. it, it's almost like it's just better to bring a camera. Mm-hmm. But I think the time to film, and this is why filming a trip really, to some people, just they consider that it ruins the trip, is because you got to film when things suck. You know, you got to break out the camera when things at the last moment that you'd ever want to, because everything's so crappy. Exactly. Now yeah. you got to take out a camera and set it up and it sucks. But then you know what? You never regret it afterwards because you get that compelling footage that shows exactly. people the real raw, you know, stuff that's happening what out there. Was there. Yeah. So you're yeah. backtracking, collecting camera, moving it ahead, setting mm-hmm. it up, going back and doing the walk into the scene. Mm-hmm. And it's, you can see the extra work that you're mm-hmm. doing. You see Les Stroud doing it with his work for survivor man mm. and what's also nice is that there was there was one scene it was uh you're up north and you had uh you made a mistake going into the rapids and you flipped mm. and you showed the whole thing it, you mm. didn't hide anything it, this it's real it, you're mm. not faking anything you're not hiding anything yeah. and i appreciate that when i see something a product and end product that you can mm. watch on youtube or whatever you, you got to be able to show failure right exactly you, do. you need and to you show know what failure. like something yeah. like that where you know if you see guys you know, running rapids successfully success, time after success. time after time, then yeah, you know what? Oh, everybody's going to go up there and try it. And then mm-hmm. when something bad happens, mm-hmm. well, I watched the movie. wasn't like that on it, the video. Yeah. Like what did they do different? And you know, I think, I think by not showing the failures, it gives people a false sense of security absolutely, to, to a point. So that's what I like about it. I mean, there, there was the one uh, in Kasagami, you're walking and all of a sudden, boom, down to your hips in, yeah. in mud, mud and swamp and bog, bog You know, right? it's funny. The only time I did I, I did that before on the sec- first trip and I fell, uh, when I had the camera out, I didn't fall. So the actually camera captured it looking a little better than it was the time before. And actually, right now, I have an awesome dumping scene that I shot with two uh, action cams, an aerial drone, and Tori shot it in slow-mo. It's it's wow. live right now at Field and Streams. Uh, it's on Field and Stream Magazine's YouTube channel. I'm going to ch- save it to my page, Jim Baird Adventure, to my Facebook page. But it's a, just an awesome slow-mo shot of me just dumping on the first wave of a Class 4 and swimming the rest of the entire <laughs> oh, thing. No. Totally blew it. Couldn't happen. Yeah. Nicer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's really awesome facial expressions um, on the way, too. So you should probably enjoy it. It's exhausting swimming through rapids, eh? It, it is really completely is. exhausting. Why is it so tiring? <laughs> I never get tired swimming through rapids. Just really? I avoid them. <laughs> you get tired walking around yeah, them. Though, I get tired I walking around them, yeah, but hey, yeah. I don't have a problem swimming through them. That's for sure. Um, so out of all these trips that you've been doing, you came up with this uh, lessons from the trail idea. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, some of your ones are, you know, cleaning, how to clean fish. Uh, I do believe it's a pike that you do lining and rigging your canoe, waterproofing your gear, bears and bugs, uh, rigging a, tar- a tarp with no trees, uh, rigging a canoe sail, which we've actually discussed on uh, another show, the Jim Baird easy peasy two dollar oh yeah we, we covered uh, you sale. carpenter's garbage bag two exactly. paddles just yeah, slap yeah. it just up slap and just up. rip to the other side of the lake it works perfectly yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah so where did this uh, lessons from the trail come from yeah was the it just idea, something that you yeah. thought hey you know what i'll take little bits and pieces here or is it something you developed over time or is it just well i think it started out on that trip that we did and we did a 33 day canoe expedition from shefferville quebec to Hopedale, Labrador, via Four Rivers, uh, the DePauw. We went up the George. We crossed over the height of land in between the DePauw and George. We didn't go to the confluence and then go up, but, I mean, very difficult. And then we kept going all the way to the uh, the Talk and took that uh, to the ocean. It took us 33 days. It was, it was a tough trip. And we brought the video cameras with us on that, and we wanted to kind of share the things that we used out there that worked as well as at the same time kind of sharing some of the adventure of the trip and 
like for example, we just figured out, I think it was my brother that just figured out making a sale out of a carpenter's garbage bag out there that works as just as good as any, pretty much any sale you're going to use that for a tailwind actually almost kind of works even if it's not quite a perfect tailwind. You know, so we basically pulled the camera out when we learned something and we thought what a great idea to kind of show people what we figured out on the way. Another thing my brother learned is we were when we were tracking up the George River, he was getting really slippery and he had an old pair of socks. He put his old pair of socks over top of his water shoes and he got amazing traction on those slippery rocks almost like you'd have felt soles and that's kind of just one thing he thought of right there and then of course the things that we use that you need to know before you go out there they're tried tested and true how to waterproof your gear to keep you know your sleeping bag dry and and all these kind of things and I guess uh it just kind of evolved out of us shooting something and then um editing something and then selling it to canoe and kayak magazine which is who ran that one yeah. And then also they, they ran an, uh, another one that was uh, the Labrador one. And then uh, Tori and I piled the East Natashkwan, a very seldom traveled and, and challenging river on the Quebec Côte Nord. And we uh, we shot that too. And, and a lot of things we, we use and learned out there, we shared with Canoe and Kayak as well. Well, it's a good thing because, I mean, it's, it's all about sharing what you know. And, you know, I mean, we all started, as I said, from, from nothing, right? Maybe got our first canoe or... Mm-hmm. And thought, hey, there's something I want to try. Well, I used to be. I was. I started from. I was a sperm when I started. Well, you know what I mean? <laughs> we all started somewhere. It's been a while. I mean, so, we all started from nothing. Natural yeah, I swimmer. Was a tiny baby. It was useless. Uh, but you, you know, know? You, when you get your first canoe and you're out there paddling, and you know, you you want to mm-hmm. learn stuff, but where mm-hmm. do you go to get it? It's easy for somebody to tell you how to do it, but when you can actually look on somebody's page and see a video. You know how to mm-hmm. do, and I mean everybody's doing stuff like that all over YouTube now. Like my yes. my son learned to play guitar off of YouTube. Mm-hmm. You know that sort of thing. Um, to be able to see, well, here's exactly how you rig up the sail, mm-hmm. or here's how you know if you want to line your canoe. Here's here's the way to do it. If you want to do uh, the bowline, mm-hmm. you know, like here's how to here's how to tie it. That sort mm-hmm. of stuff. So to be able to actually sit in front of your computer and go, oh, that's how. And be able to practice it mm-hmm. or something like that. That just adds that much more that when you go out um, on your canoe trip, mm-hmm. you're going to have a better idea. You've already got the visual in your you head. you got the visual rather than trying to read it from a book or just yeah. somebody saying, well, here's how you do it sort of thing. Yeah. And, you know, I also try to make it just not purely how to. I also try to make it uh, um, entertaining because I shoot them on an actual expedition. I'm yeah. not saying... When you're on an expedition, this is how you're going to want to light a fire. Yes. When you're on an expedition, this is how you're going to want to tie a bowline. And I'm sitting there in my backyard. I'm actually out there and it's like, if I don't like get a fire going right now, we're screwed kind of thing. So I'm showing you in a real situation that like this is actually working right now. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's harder to shoot, but I find that makes it more authentic, but it also makes it... Uh, I mean, more engaging to watch too. Engaging is yeah. more impactful. And it's entertaining. Yeah. People are going to be more inclined to watch it. Mm-hmm. You know, okay, you put slot A into tab B or whatever. Yeah. You know, when it, when it's mechanical like that, people uh, next. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if, if if you can get some entertainment into it, mm-hmm. you know, then I, I think people are going to be more into watching it and uh, and enjoying it. You know, then they click on the next video and the next video and the next video. And there's what thirteen total. Um, for I think lessons from the trail uh, for the Adla Talk series, there is I think there's 13 videos, yeah. and then from the after that the uh, Cote Nord Adventure on the East Natashquan, there was there's uh, 15 videos up there. Um, and then, you know, there's also the Kasogamy series that I have, which yeah. is uh, on my uh, YouTube channel. And um, and then the current one that uh, Field and Stream is running, which is uh, something Tori and I shot on the Porcupine River in northern Saskatchewan. And so I'm, I'm constantly trying to develop these series. And man, when you when you just go out there and you see like even a TV show or you just see... Uh, a web video series before you really know what goes into it. I mean, yeah. there's a lot that goes into it and it takes a long time to bring it to fruition to where it's actually running on, on a platform and you're like, wow, this is done. It really becomes your baby. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you got to know how, you know, making sure the video is all correct and, mm-hmm. and the sound is correct and, and everything like that. Cause you don't mm-hmm. want to get back there and just throw something yeah, totally, there, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, it's, right, it's okay. a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of that lot out there. Of work, just so, uploading footage and organizing footage yeah. for a two week trip. It takes me two weeks just to organize the footage of working oh, yeah, minimum yeah. 10 hour days, you yeah. know, and, and then when you're out there all, as well, planning you know, what's, what's up for the day, 
You know, if you're planning on going from point A to point B on that river, mm-hmm. you know, you got to think of, well, we're going to stop here and we're going to do this. We're going to stop here and film this, film mm-hmm. that. And, the, go, and then right? it's also, it's, it's being every, anybody who wants to try filming their trips. It's also being able to uh, tell a story. People say, oh, you got to be able to tell a story, but it's really hard to hear that and understand how that works with the camera. Yes. Really what you got to do is follow a story as it develops with the camera. Yeah. Right. You know, because if you just follow bits and pieces, you're never going to really have anything you can piece together in the editing booth as a story right so you have to learn how to follow a story that develops and you can't decide which way it wants to go maybe it decides with it it finishes with jim bear dumping in a rapid and washing down and being half drowned at the end of it you know maybe (laughs) maybe i'm a hero and i run the rapid no problem but you got to be able to follow that as it develops and i think that's what kind of the excitement of it is when you're out there uh because you never know what's going to happen and you want to kind of capture that i guess you know and that's what people want to watch too it's it's the uh when there's the unpredictability, people are on the edge of the seat waiting to see what happens. Mm-hmm. See if it's going to go good, if it's going to go bad. You don't know, right? And uh, the way you portray your stories, the way you you film, it's like you don't know what's going to happen because it's you know, there's so much pro- yeah. canned product out there. Yeah, like maybe Tori's going to dump me at, at, yeah. at the end of the trip. You know, <laughs> <laughs> who knows? Exactly. Right? <laughs> Guy didn't do the dishes this morning. Guess who's going overboard? Yeah. Uh, Buck usually does the dishes. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> We're being perfectly honest. <laughs> it's like you're tired the next night. Like, Were these licked off by the dog? You're like, yeah, just, yeah, you just know. wipe it off. <laughs> there Here's you your rice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you're going to keep doing more of these. Every trip, you're going to sort of maybe get one or two. And just keep doing the, the, the lessons from the trail then. Uh, I, I guess so, yeah. Um, like the lessons from the trail, is that something that was, uh, you were did for? Well, yeah, lessons from the trail was sort of like the umbrella kind of name. And then I did a, a couple different trips and, and did all these videos from it. Um, but, uh, you know, that's that's uh, one platform at Canoe and Kayak. I'm actually, I'm going to be uh, uh, producing videos for my own YouTube channel. Okay, right. I'm, so, I'm hopefully going to be doing something, uh, another one for canoe and kayak. I'm paddling the Mountain River this summer. They okay. might be interested in that. Um, Field and Stream is, although they're not really paddling oriented, they seem to really like uh, a lot of the elements of what I do, and they have a, a, a really engaged following. And, and that's another one that that runs some of my stuff as well, um, my video content as right. well, uh, paddling.com as well. And uh, yeah, so these are kind of the different places um, under different titles that I sort of get my videos out there and um, usually end up running them on my own YouTube channel too, which I'm trying to build as well. So It all takes time to build it all up, but as long as you're out there and you're having fun and you're bringing stuff and you're filming it and writing it down as you come back yeah know. but to answer your question i'm going to keep doing it i'm going to keep right this year i'm going to the i'm doing some backpacking believe it or not sorry that's not paddling adventures but i'm doing some <laughs> backpacking and then i'm going to be doing a trip on the mountain i'm going to film that i'm going to film a video series i'm going to film a documentary i well, try to sell it for broadcast and just you know keep it up right and see what happens fantastic keep trying to put it up there yeah, 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 you're going yeah. to the Rockies backpacking. That's right. And we're yeah. going out there paddling. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I might, I'd probably do a little paddling in there, too. Yeah, you have to, mm-hmm. man. If you're going out that way. This backpack is really like a portage the entire time. Like, yeah, it's just a long portage without a canoe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? Yeah, yeah. So let's take a quick break here, and when we come back, uh, we got some more questions for you. Okay, right on. You are listening to Paddling Adventures Radio on Reno Viola Outdoors. Do you enjoy getting on the water with a paddle in your hand? If so, this show's for you. Listen to Paddling Adventures Radio every Wednesday at 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. and see what's happening in the world of paddle sports. Paddling Adventures Radio. Whether you're close to home or far away, grab a paddle and get on the water. This portion of the show is brought to you by Algonquin Outfitters. Algonquin Outfitters providing quality Algonquin Park backcountry adventures for the entire family since 1961. Whether you want to get on the water for a day or a week, the friendly staff at Algonquin Outfitters can help you out. Find them online at algonquinoutfitters.com or visit one of their 12 locations. Algonquin Outfitters, your outdoor adventure store, with locations in Algonquin Park, Muskoka and Halliburton. And welcome back. Uh, if you're just joining us here, we're talking with Jim Baird, the adventurer today. Uh, we are actually at his place and uh, got out of the studio for a change. Um, so we were talking about, you know, all your canoe trips and we were talking about your lessons from the trail and stuff like that. 
So when you do all these videos and all these stories that you put out there and the, the um, um, articles in the magazines and stuff like that, at the end of the day, what are you hoping that people are getting out of all of this? Well, I'm hoping that they're learning something that they're going to decide, you know what, maybe I can do that too. Maybe I can go out there and spend some time in the outdoors and be safe out there and have fun. And I'm hoping they're also just entertained and they're having a good time watching them and maybe they want to pass those on uh, to other people, you know? Well, and that's that's what, I mean, they're all, like you say, the lessons from the trail is teaching people how to do stuff and, and, and show stuff. So hopefully they're mm-hmm. going to take some of those to heart and say, hey, next time I'm out, I'm going to, I'm going to try this. I know other shows Derek and I have talked about, um, you know, I bought a, a book on knots. So I'm going to start relearning knots. And mm-hmm. when you're sitting around the, the campsite doing nothing, maybe practice tying knots or something mm-hmm. like that, you know, practice different ways of building a fire mm-hmm. while you're out there. Yeah. Constant self-improvement. Yeah, which is exactly what these videos sort of show You know, people, I guess, right? yeah, it's like another way that you can learn things. The way I learned things was just through books and videos is a great way to learn things. I probably learned better through books. But because it's a video in the same way as a book, it's kind of ready to teach whenever you are to learn, you know. So when you want to know it, you turn it on and you watch it and that's when it's the most relevant, you know. Yeah, and as long as you remember it. I mean, if you, if you remember, you've seen it too. Um, and you know you're going on a trip, then you can go back and watch it again, mm-hmm. right? And so people maybe catch on a couple other things that you're showing mm-hmm. them as well, and maybe also get a little bit about what not to do, you know? You <laughs> yes, <laughs> that didn't look so fun. I'm not doing that trip. Do know? we need to bring up the uh, video of how to take care of a a, uh, a burned burn a burn? Great example of what not to <laughs> dumping burning hot oil while beer or deep frying beer battered fish all over my hand but if it does happen it's a great video on how to deal with a yes. burn well it, it was and yes, uh, as long as you don't puke when you're watching it. it's pretty graphic <laughs> yeah right. when you're watching it make sure you're not eating your dinner yeah um so when you're doing these these videos and you're taking out all the gear and stuff like that your trips northern canada seems to be your destino- destination of choice mm-hmm. yeah is there any other areas that's sort of on a bucket list no that you want to check out no nothing down through the states or no, no. patagonia chile no, no. no mexico so what draws Europe, you to russia <laughs> china uh, maybe alaska <laughs> you know yeah sure what but draws not you there? really is, you know? is it's uh is it more of a isolation thing you're not mm. you're out of the crowds or is it that harsh wilderness it's the it's the you don't know what to expect it's not that beaten trail it's not the the known path it's something new and well first of all there's so many different places in canada just because it all happens to be under the same title doesn't really mean that when you get down to the natural side of it and the raw wilderness side of it that necessarily that matters necessarily right like labrador the wildlife the rivers is completely different than the western arctic for example i mean there's so many different languages you know i'm in northern saskatchewan people all speaking fluent dene you know they speak inuktitut in um uh in in the arctic the inuit speak that and then you know then i'm even in when for the natashquan we're there hanging out with these maritime quebec kind of culture they have a different accent than most of quebec hardly anyone speaks english but yet they have the same kind of buildings as you'd see in nova uh, in nova scotia or new brunswick with that maritime feel and so you really get the the you really get the idea that there's a lot kind of more in Canada to explore and and with the people which is fascinating but also just with like where you actually go are you know the, the Mackenzie Mountains Labrador uh, Nunavut um, Northwest Territories Northern Saskatchewan Alberta all these places Northern Ontario again vastly different than all those other places um, so even in one province there's all kinds of things to explore or one territory there's all kinds of things to explore and in Alaska too I mean I'd be just as up for Alaska as as uh, the Canadian North, but that's kind of like where I want to go, and I just have so much I want to explore there. It's not time to explore at all. Like I'm going to be dead before I finish it all. There's no way. But yeah, I guess it'd be pretty cool cool to go to the uh, Kamchatka Peninsula in Russia and see those, you know, those uh, what are they called? The, the volcanoes, the oh, okay. vol- yeah. vulcanism, yeah. that action. Uh, yeah. 
you know, that kind of interests me. I mean, Greenland would be pretty cool for sure. Uh, so there's some ideas like that. And there, you know, there's, um, I remember at, uh, when we, when we, when you guys were hosting the real paddling film festival, remember that kayaking one into the eyes of God? Oh, oh the yes. Eyes of God. Where yes. were they there? That was, that was uh, over Slovakia, Serbia. It was Serbia. Over that it was way, between yeah. like yeah. Serbia and Kazakhstan, Kazakhstan. or yeah. something yes. like some crazy desert mountain. Yeah. Harsh I mean, that area. might be kind of cool too, as kind of a, an explorer, uh, which is like in my wheelhouse to check that out. But I mean, there's so much discovered and, uh, and, and I mean, sometimes discovering something that's already known can be as exciting as discovering that something that isn't. And even in the Canadian North, there's been all sorts of archaeological sites or historical sites that I'm the first person to report, whether I'm the first person not to see it in the last four years, I don't yeah. know. But I mean, o, site OFPT-10 was a, a, a stone cairn in the Western Arctic on Victoria Island, uh, north of Uluhakto, that... Um, was undocumented by the Canadian Museum of History oh. that I found and, and got the GPS waypoint and gave them pictures and I'm in the record books for having to having reported it to That's them. That's pretty you know? cool. Yeah, yeah, so you come across this kind of stuff and you still kind of feel like, you know, maybe we're still kind of, uh, there's still some interesting stuff out yeah. there that yes. we don't know, whether yes. it's the human history side or or even um, uh, the, the mapping side even, you know, to an extent, so... We're yeah. hearing a lot lately of uh, just on that theme there, with with global warming and with the melting of the, uh, up north, and you get a lot of the permafrost melting. They're finding that there's a lot of areas that, and they're trying to capture it as quickly as possible. Uh, so as the as the melt is happening, they're finding they're getting when they can they get up there and they chase down these melting edges, and they're finding arrowheads and the bones and the they're tracking these uh, these original hunters and gatherers of, of mm. northern canada and they're finding a lot of artifacts that mm. you'd normally never find but except mm. for the melt well yeah like for example there's something called ice patch archaeology which is where i'm going to uh, the mountain river in the mackenzie mountains a lot of the time uh, native people would hunt these kind of ice patches they're not really glaciers but they're parts of uh, snow-covered mountains that never melt and that's yep. where the animals would go to avoid bugs and to eat the snow oh, and this okay. kind of stuff and and so uh and so the natives would traditionally go and hunt there and then they'd lose an arrow and it would be preserved in the ice and the snow yeah and as it's kind of melting a little bit you can kind of just circumvent one of those things and find um you know old wooden arrow shafts that might be as much as a thousand years old it's exactly it's preserved yeah, yeah. It's, that that history is just it's fascinating. it's fascinating, and that's where all these northern areas. I think I would find that would that's what would grab my interest to yeah. head there. I think to, that's part of that's definitely yeah. part of it. You it's know, because you discovery. have your story, then you have the story of the explorers, you have the story of the first people and that human migration, yes. and then the, the animals, and then the geology too. All these things are stories, right? Yeah. Well, we did an episode a while ago um, about uh, our great canoe challenge. Yeah. Uh, Derek did his uh, canoe trip, and then I did mine, and it. Both of us ended up in northern Canada doing stuff. But when I was doing mine, the big draws were what animals were there, what history was there. And I mean, the one point was uh, what up on Banks Island with the, you know, they've documented people being there for like the last 3,400 years, hmm. you know. And then the, I did one river that was down in uh, through Mexico. Mm-hmm. And I mean, along this one river you're paddling, you're, you're looking at Aztec ruins from how many thousands of years ago hmm. doesn't you know, it kind of feel interesting to see something like that and it's almost like you're literally standing in the same place as somebody did and it really almost gives you a connection to them doesn't it or yeah or it gives you a, like a deeper like you get goosebumps kind of imagining what those people were doing in that place and it's it's not it's different than seeing it in a museum or something exactly like that. oh and yeah seeing get, it in place uh, you get more mercy res- bay yes seeing the investigator there is uh you can go float over top it's, of it. Uh, oh, they, it's That's in, the, of it's in, in Mercy Bay in the top side of Bank there. Yes. Yeah. And, Captain and Robert McClure, right? You're supposed to be able to actually see the boat. Yeah, wow. Yeah, like underwater okay, when the water's yeah. clear enough. That's so, one of the people be... they think might have built the stone cairn that I saw. Oh, okay. That yeah. in Western Victoria, yeah. him or, or Collinson. And yeah, they course, circled, the, they circled Banks that, Island. Yep. They did a lot of, uh, of yeah, mapping. And, and yeah. some people think it might be something that wasn't left by 1850s explorers aliens ancient aliens <laughs> here we go yeah they're out there yeah but yeah. yeah some people think that other people were there in the western arctic before um but it's definitely not uh 
considered to be mainstream, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, when you're going on these trips and you're seeing the historical aspect and you're seeing animals that you're not going to see anywhere else, you know, like in your day to day life, you know, and you're coming across, I mean, you're going down a river and you see a muskox, mm-hmm. you know, or an Arctic wolf or yeah, something the, the, like that. Like yeah. that just takes your trip yeah. to that yeah. whole new well, level. Uh, when we were paddling the Kuja, Ted and I saw probably at least a hundred muskox. I mean, I wow. think the biggest herd was 18. Some of them you get really close to, not that you really want to try want to, to do yeah. that in the canoe. It's okay. But even, you know, they, they can get a little hostile, but not really, you know, just don't go and poke it with a stick. Don't be an idiot. <laughs> but it's unbelievable. There's these, un- there's these unreal animals. And a lot of people kind of forget that they even exist. It's like this forgotten animal. And uh, people say, oh, they look like bison. Really their closest relative is the bighorn sheep. Yeah, okay. And you yeah. see, they have these unbelievable horns yeah, on yeah. them. Um, but uh, my brother and I were, uh, my brother and I were, our hands were getting cold, and it was the summer, and the muskox were shedding. There's all this muskox for f- going across the tundra, so we just pick it up and stick it in our pockets. When our hands got cold, we just stick it nice. in our pockets uh, with the <laughs> muskox for. It's like this stuff had its own heat source. It was so amazingly warm, you yeah. know. You could have collected um, enough of it and make yourself a set of mitts. W- I, absolutely, but we didn't have uh, one of those those spinning things. Spinning yeah, wheel? yeah, spinning. Thing. You don't take one? No, we don't. <laughs> you know what? We used to, but we it just got a little too bulky. Yeah, I, I hear <laughs> just you. Kidding. Just kidding. And uh, we also we I remember at the same trip we were actually followed by a pack of Arctic wolves. We saw a few of them, and we we got closer, and I guess probably the alpha came right down under the bank, thirty oh, wow. feet away. But at this point, the water is deep enough between our canoe and the wolves that you sort of feel like if it swam out to you to try to eat you it'd be like in the water it's not going to be an issue we started going down river one of the wolves started howling and a fifth it was either fifth or sixth wolf i think a fifth wolf showed up and they all just started following us and they started following us and then wow. okay whatever we're looking my brother was a little more scared to me and then next thing you know the river's like an inch deep and we roll up and get stuck right on this river-wide gravel bar and again, it's an interesting, and the wolves are getting closer and closer. And at this point, they could just kind of like walk up to us and eat us sort of thing, right? <laughs> oh. So my brother pulls out a bear banger, fires it at it, and it blew up and they just ran away full speed. But it was unbelievable because you can kind of tell they probably hadn't never seen people before. So yeah. as far as they're concerned, you're a food source, you're living in I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. They did have a muskox kill there. They're probably well fed, which can yeah. make all the difference in the yeah. world. But I think they're also just kind of wondering, what are these things? They're like, gauging Maybe we you. can eat them. Maybe we can't. Maybe let's see how they smell. Are they a threat? Are they... Probably yeah. similar to the way you would react if you saw an animal you'd never seen yeah. before, really. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> can I eat these if I had to? Are they are they endangered? Are they like should we get a picture? Like it was sort of like a similar thing that like a, a human might have done to an animal they've yes. never seen before at one time in history. Anyways, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah. So I mean, you see, you're seeing all this stuff on your mm-hmm. trips. I mean, that's just that's just awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you see that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Some uh, of the fish you catch too are just epic. Well, we've right? seen the pictures. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's. Uh, <clears throat> <laughs> make you jealous I never got some anything them, like that yeah, some yeah, of them, some of them like, yeah. being honest yeah. I love the honesty yeah. just just some of them yeah yeah, yeah. oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> uh, Derek doesn't catch fish no that's no. why they call oh, it I have a hard time catching fish I don't know what it is mm. we like, grew yeah, up fishing it depends like I've been up in uh, was it uh, Lady Evan smooth up water there's uh, going and I was up in Yorston so a lot of some of those areas in northern Ontario like you you, you can't help but catch fish though yeah. and you get, catch yeah. a bass and whatever but I, I've, I've, uh, I don't think I've ever caught a fish in Algonquin Park. Really? Mm. Ever. Mm-hmm. Ever. Ever. Well, you know, maybe Sean caught them all on you. Yeah. yeah. But I'm also, I but usually, are you trying? I'm usually are you... mid or late summer, so yeah. the trout are deep. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, the bass. I don't. The usually... trout can be tough there in midsummer. The brook trout are like in the thermocline, like or thermal yeah, you never find them unless you're trolling. And... Yeah. Yeah, oh, I did catch Jim one. Jim the adventure. White Partridge trip. Just kidding. <laughs> Always. <laughs> I, I, take, I, wish. I take my brother fishing. Yeah, if wish. he's not catching, there's no fish. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was wrong. I did catch a trout in Algonquin Park. It was uh, White Partridge, which would have been uh, 2004. 2004. It was the last one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it did it was, come uh, in a box that said Captain Highliner? <laughs> <laughs> it was with uh, Bono's and oh, uh, they Mark did the, uh, the and, yeah, the white partridge. Yeah, run. Mike what, um, there. what kind of trout was it? Lake or brook? 
Uh, I I don't know. No, I don't know my fish. fish. But it was mm-hmm. like twenty four inches long, twenty inches long. It was huge. That's huge. Yeah, probably lake trout. It was for sure. It yeah. was second biggest fish I've ever caught. Twenty four. You caught a twenty four inch lake trout. This is the guy saying he's never caught a fish. He caught. I forgot he about it. it. I forgot about wow, it. Wow. So he saves it I up think for you're one. Super modest. I forgot like, about yeah, it. Yeah. That's a hell of a fish. I caught man. a thirty three inch. Uh, Atlantic salmon once, Miramichi River in Brunswick. Wow. Oh, we used to yeah. go down the river here fishing and uh, How many... catch the salmon. Yeah. When they do the run. Mm-hmm. How many but... pounds is 33 inches, would you say? Did it was. It? No, I, no, I don't know. I was uh, 17 at the time, 16. Yeah. That was a long time ago. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> 33 like long enough as... for the story to be a lie, you think? Yeah. Or... No, it was. We. I remember measuring it. We never weighed it. Okay. So, but it was huge. It's 33 inches. Well, because you know the how eyes. these fishing stories go on. I mean, I I can be guilty of it too the odd time. You know what I mean? Especially yeah. when you don't weigh it. It's like oh, I didn't weigh it. It was four, or five, maybe six. It's like a ten pounder. Could have been hundred pounds. I maybe hundred. Maybe maybe the world record. I don't know. Probably probably around the world record. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? And then and then you forget yourself and you go back and you see the picture like shit. I better burn this. Because, <laughs> you know? yeah. it, it, because man, I've been lying to myself. And like, it was this big between the eyes. These yeah. things happen. Happen. these things yeah. happen but those are some good fish though i, I yeah. enjoy it I, I enjoy fishing on, on for example the kasagami was a solo trip and uh, i do i do i always let the big ones go because they're the ones that are you know they carry the big genes and you know yeah. they're just these be i'd rather yeah. keep a smaller one they're better for eating oh absolutely and, yeah. and let the big ones go i remember on the kasagami the uh, fishing was so good i one day i, I I couldn't even catch a fish that was small enough. I kept letting him go, and then I ended up, I wanted to eat a fish that night, and I didn't because they're all too big. Too big. But yeah. I noticed fishing by myself, there's not like that, compared to like when my brother comes or something, there's not like the competition element anymore. Yeah. You know, it's not like, who got the biggest one, and who got am I going to get a bigger than him? And even though us, it's like a very friendly and not necessarily talked about thing, there is that nice little, you know, competition Rivalry. element that makes it funnier and more fun and all that, you know? Well, it, it's definitely part of a good trip, mm-hmm. you know. When you get, I mean, we, I think we all do that. Sort yeah, of thing, I right? think it's part, and I think it's part, kind of part. A lot of people don't fish, and I mean, that's fine. Uh, what, well, that's fine too. Please, the more people that don't fish, the better. You know, more fish than for me, right? <laughs> yes and no, but uh, you know, I think that's definitely part of just experiencing how good the fishing is when you're in these remote places in the north, and it kind of goes to show a lot of people that I've seen experience it for the first time. They kind of realized how good it probably once was down here. Exactly. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, and, and yeah. It, you know, not to say it's amazing absolutely everywhere because there's all kinds of different things that yep. that uh, create a good fishery or not. And and but yeah, I mean, it probably was at one time loaded uh, in southern Ontario. It was probably crazy at yep. one time. All sorts of places. Well, you look at the old pictures back in the day from um, Algonquin Park. Oh yeah, and they got yeah. those big stringers with with trout. Yeah, yeah and you know? like yeah. massive, massive trout. Yeah. And there's yeah. like you know two, three hundred trout hanging off these lines. Yeah. And these black and white photos from like 1903 type yeah. thing, yeah. right? But you so. do that too many times, especially with a species like lake trout, which is, I mean, I think only one pound of lake trout flesh uh, it per square kilometer can be created. Uh, yearly on a lake trout lake, oh, wow. something like yeah, that. It's, right? it's, it will it's, grow, right? Yeah. So you know, with with sort of species like that, if you, they can't be overfished, or which is why over time we've developed the mm. the fishing rules, like the the laws, yeah, you know, and, the regulations for yeah. how many and the size and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even the taste from like southern Ontario to. Mm-hmm. far far north yeah i mean just the water quality totally it changes I think, yeah i think it depends right like even like if you catch a pike in in the early spring before the water gets all weedy you know it like it probably is going to taste better than one in the fall yeah stuff yeah. like that right and then when you're in the north up in like the arctic and the water's you know it's only only not frozen right for a little bit of the year most of it and it's all you know, snow runoff and glacier fed stuff. I mean, it's pretty clean water to say. Pretty the least. clean water, yeah. 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 yeah Cause I mean I've caught some fish down here and just the taste it, it mm-hmm. tastes fishy. Mm-hmm. Overly fishy. And then you go way up north. Mm-hmm. I mean I've caught um some trout up in Woodland Caribou, caught a mm-hmm. nice trout and beautiful. Yeah. Just absolutely. I guess it's like they say it's just like even with fisheries, people say the cold ocean fish tastes better than the ones from down south and that, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe yeah. maybe it has something to do with just colder water, I don't know. I think we need to just keep on trying and figure this one out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just needs more yeah. trips. Yeah. <laughs> so uh out of all the trips that you've been on, yeah. 
Can you pick one of the best highlights out of all your trips? I know it's hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but there must be something that like sticks in your mind. It's like, oh, that time, that whatever. So not the best trip itself, but a highlight. But just a highlight. It's something that either you didn't expect or just just totally blew your mind. Uh, when Tori didn't dump me after the porcupine trip in northern Saskatchewan where it rained for seven days straight or more than that. That would be a highlight. That blew my mind. The fact like, that you're wow. still still living and breathing there and was talking a little, with us today. There was a bit of a talk that happened. A talk? <laughs> there was a talk. There, Jim got a talking to. There was a to. talking to. <laughs> but uh, yeah, not too long after that, she actually... Um, Said yes when I proposed too. So I mean, it couldn't have been that. It couldn't have been that Excellent. bad. Excellent. She said yes, then you must be a keeper. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I'm a little biased though. But uh, I, you know, that's that's a really tough question, man. I don't know. You know, so just looking. Some just today, I was looking at some pictures. Just kind of like the the feeling of being out there, the smell, the sounds of the river, and the gulls, and and that. Uh, warm evening glow and the crackling of the fire you know all these kind of uh ambient things and ambient sounds that you hear and you know i don't know i don't know if it's one thing that i can narrow it down to but uh sometimes just maybe that a perfect campsite tori and i remember um we when we paddled the east natashquan we portaged around this falls and this is actually was on the the main branch in the natashquan it's a very big and powerful river and uh there's a falls that's maybe 300 meters wide and it's probably at least 60 feet tall and we had a campsite really close to that it was up on a little terrace there was just um driftwood lying all over the place you don't have to go get wood you literally just picked up a piece and threw it on there's wild berries there uh, we we had a tough day we paddled in the headwinds i think we did 30 kilometers that day and uh, as soon as it got dark a couple maybe less than an hour after dark this unreal northern light show came after and it was our last night on the river and you know times like that you just take a deep breath and you're like man this is what it is all about you know what i mean yeah. And I, so, I mean, that was a great one. It's up there, but it's tough to say what my best. Well, that sounds like a good one. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, the other side of that, mm-hmm. have you ever had a trip where you just said, nope, never doing that ever, 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 ever again? Yeah. Uh, um, never, ever again. Not really. Not really. Um, and we're not talking about the burning your hand thing. <laughs> yeah, that that yeah. was not that's, a good luck. That's, that's a not ever doing that's, that again. Oh my god, yeah, that hurt a lot. So, are you? So, was the question a trip itself, or just no, a specific no, just thing a, on a, a trip? Something like on a trip, or a really bad yeah. idea to do. Yeah. Oh man, I don't know. There's just been so, so many. many. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, and on a paddling trip, I, I most almost all my trips have been paddling trips, but um. um well, I can think of a couple things actually, but um, probably, you know, uh, you know, probably one of them was just a little short trip me and my brother did up at the cottage where we decided we were going to paddle the end of the bay, portage into another lake, and then basically drag through the bush into another lake, and then just kind of do like an evening circuit trip. Sounds super easy, but for some reason we decided that it would be a good idea to wear tank tops. And it was like at the time of year where it was just game on, horrible deer flies, you know, horse flies, mosquitoes and black flies. And for some reason they all decided to just go completely balls to the wall this day. And my brother especially was just littered with with bites. And, you know, you look at the map and you, you think of it. It doesn't seem that far, but all of a sudden, you know, you're knee deep in mud and you're ripping this canoe through the trees and oh. it's not coming through. And you're just like, man, this sucks, <laughs> you know? So, I mean, I, I wish, I wish, I'm sure you guys were expecting a little bit better of a story than that, but I mean, yeah, I don't think I'd do that one again. Yeah, you know? <laughs> no, you that's, know, that's it. <laughs> yeah, I think that's up there. Well, that's got to be up there. Um. So... If people want to find out more about you, mm-hmm. Jim Baird, the adventurer, you got the adventurer.ca, mm-hmm. your, uh, your website, you yeah. got your YouTube channel, yeah, and you got Facebook. Yeah, Facebook right? is Jim Baird-Adventurer. 
YouTube is Jim Baird the Adventure, then theadventure.ca. I'm also on Twitter at JB Adventure, Instagram JB Adventure. I post all kinds of cool stuff. You got to check me out. I'm trying to get as much stuff up there as I can. I'm sharing a lot of it's my own content and tips and things I've learned and trips I've done that you might be interested in. I'm always interested to hear anybody else's thoughts or uh, anybody else's tips they want to they want to mention in, in one of the comments. Go ahead. I'm sharing right now my uh, current field and stream video series that I shot in northern Saskatchewan. It's getting a lot of views. A lot of people seem to be really interested in it. So I'd love it if people want to check me out, give me a follow and uh, uh, get in contact with me that way too if you want to as well. Awesome. Well, we'll post uh, your stuff on the uh, our Facebook page and whatnot, mm -hmm. our website, so that people can find you and help mm -hmm. you out. Uh, I'd like to say thanks for, for coming on today and letting mm -hmm. us come here and uh, chat with you for a bit about what okay, you do good. and all your stuff. Great. great. Yeah. How did I do, guys? Fantastic. All right. <laughs> it's, always good. Good. Halfway through. it's always entertaining <laughs> to talk to you. Your dog's <laughs> looking at you kind of funny. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Buck's here. He I can't mean, speak, so I think Buck is thinking himself. He's got that look that dogs yeah. give you, like, I could tell you stories. Yeah, oh, yeah, probably. Probably. He usually has a good time on our trips. He doesn't have to paddle or carry anything in the portages. He just sits there, lies there on the spray deck, and then the portage is like a fun walk for him. We got so, a backpack for our dog. I think I'm going to have to get one of those. <laughs> and carry yeah. your own stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks Fair again uh, for, for coming yeah. on. Yeah. And uh, we'll definitely be following you and uh, okay. get some more of your adventures and maybe get you on here again. Okay. Looking forward to it. All right. Thanks a lot. Thanks, guys. You know, it was really nice to sit down with Jim and actually record him uh, uh, about his adventures and stuff. We've been following him for... It was a fun for, evening. It really was a fun evening. We've been re following him for a couple of years now. And uh, I mean, we chat and whatnot, but we've never actually got the chance till now to sit down and, and have an on-air chat with him. Uh, I don't know that he's going to like next week's episode too much because we're going to um, chat with <coughs> with Tori and, and see if we can get him to throw, throw him, him under, under the, the bus. bus. <laughs> That's going to be fun. Uh, in the meantime, till next week, you can find us on Paddling Adventures Radio. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. I'm tweeting more. He's tweeting more. Uh, you can find past episodes on iTunes, Google Play, and Player FM. And until, uh, until then, I'd like to thank everybody for listening. I'm Sean Rowley. And I'm Derek Specht. We'll see you next time.